If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 578. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. All those accounts are at Brian McClanahan. You can find them all at brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. Get that free class when you enroll. Get those deals. Purchase classes. You keep this podcast free of charge, and you get great content. And you look, every time you purchase a class, it's a lifetime membership to that class. So you can download the lectures. You've got videos there. You've got lecture notes. You've got reading material. They are great classes. And, I mean, they keep this podcast free of charge. So when you do that, you support the show. You can also support the show if you want to by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can make a donation there. You can also purchase a book plate if you want my autograph on one of my books. Buy my books wherever books are sold online, the latest, the Jeffersonian tradition, and also Southern Scribblings. So that's a great way to support the show. Also click on the shop tab, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Go to LearnTrue, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom, another great way to support the show. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Give it a five-star review if you love it. Share it around on social media. Get people interested in the show. That's how we grow the show organically, and we help expand the audience. And this podcast continues to grow. So continuing to grow, organic growth is great because that's how we get more people interested in this think locally, act locally idea. Now, that said, yesterday on the podcast, we were talking about equality. And, and James Fenimore Cooper and his two chapters on equality in his book, The American Democrat. In the interest of time, I could have done you know, hour-long podcasts on this, but I know people like the 20 to 30-minute version. So because of that, I'm going to do a, I decided to split this into two episodes. So today we're going to talk about American equality as he defines it in his book. And again, you're going to see an argument here against what the left is trying to do today. Now, I would say probably that most, uh, most of the right, even the Straussians, would generally not disagree with, with Fenimore Cooper here. I mean, they say that there should be a break on it. But Cooper is saying that what we had in the 19th century was as far as you could go with equality. Now, uh, and he would take issue with the way the Straussians essentially have interpreted the term equality. Now, I know they would say it doesn't mean equity, it doesn't mean all men are created equal, not equality of condition. I mean, look, Cooper would agree with that. But I think even to a point, he's taken exceptions with the way that even the Straussians. Now, Cooper is also very hard on slavery, saying slavery makes it to where there is no American equality in the South because slavery exists in those states, though the white population generally has equality. Now, it's interesting. The left would say that wasn't the case. Some of the even the neoconservatives and the Straussians would say that wasn't the case because 
You had the planter class as an oligarchy. This is what they would say. It wasn't Republican. James Fenimore Cooper would say that's not true. That's not true at all. There is equality in these states. You just don't see it that way, but there is equality in these states. So we're going to talk about Southern society again this week with something else. Uh, there's a quibble that I have, and a very you know interesting, I think, stretching a little too much piece, and we're going to talk about this Poe piece on, um, on the British causing the American Civil War, the War for Southern Independence. I'm going to talk about that this week. I don't know if tomorrow or the next day, but... Anyways, I haven't decided yet. Uh, but regardless, I want to get into this American equality position. So let's start. This again is James Fenimore Cooper, 1838, on American equality. He says, The equality of the United States is no more absolute than that of any other country. There may be less inequality in this nation than in most others, but inequality exists, and in some respects, with stronger features than it is usual to meet with, the, with in the rest of Christendom. So there's inequality in the United States. But he says that's okay. That's okay to have inequality in some cases. The rights of property being an indispensable condition of civilization and its quiet possession everywhere guaranteed, equality of condition is rendered impossible. The rights of property being an indispensable condition of civilization. Now think about that. What are we seeing happening in America today? The assault on property, whether it's income, whether it's a storefront getting ransacked uh, by uh, you know flash mob, whether it's um, your your property itself is not sacred. You can have people just camp out on your property. I mean, your property is being taken in ways that are it's dangerous to the condition of civilization. Property is the heart of civilization. Now, we know the left agrees because we know, for example, when the Black Lives Matter leadership group gets some cash, they go buy expensive properties and they, they use it for that. And of course, they abandon, you know, this is a whole scandal now. Who's even in leadership of this group? Millions of dollars was pumped into it. Nobody knows where it went. Nobody knows what to do with it. A tremendous amount of corruption, right? But we know property is the heart of civilization. And because we have property, you can never have equality of condition. And if you don't have property, you don't really have civilization. This is a smack at, of course, what would later be the major premise of socialism and communism, the lack of private property. Cooper would say you have to have private property to have civilization. It can't exist otherwise. It can't exist otherwise. And then he says, One man must labor while another may live luxuriously on his means. One has leisure and opportunity to cultivate his taste, to increase his information, and to refine his habits, while another is compelled to toil, that he may live. One is reduced to serve, while another commands, and of course, there can be no equality in their social conditions. The justice and relative advantage of these differences, as well as their several duties, will be elsewhere considered. So he's saying this is, this is natural to have these inequalities. And, of course, as you have upward mobility, which Cooper would actually argue for and, and say this is fine in the United States, that nobody's stuck, with the exception of slavery in the United States, which, again, he's, he's critical of. No one's stuck in that position of inequality. But that's okay because private property was the basis of society. The justice and relative advantage of these differences, as well as their several duties, will be elsewhere considered. By the inequality of civil and political rights that exists in certain parts of the Union and the great equality that exists in others, 
we see the necessity of referring to the true character of the institutions to those of the states, without a just understanding of which it is impossible to obtain any general and accurate idea of the real polity of the country. So we have to look at how these things exist in states. Now, see, Cooper understands, this is a think locally, act locally uh, message here, that this, is all, this all comes down to the states. There's no, there's no general equality of the United States because there's no American polity. There's state polities, and then we see differences in the states. The same general exceptions to civil and political equality that are found in other free countries exist in this, though under laws peculiar to ourselves. Women and minor, minors are excluded from the suffrage and from maintaining suits at law under the usual provisions, here as well as elsewhere. None but natives of the country can fill many of the higher offices, and paupers, felons, and all those who have not fixed residences are also excluded from the suffrage. In a few of the states properly, property has made the test of political rights, and in nearly half of them, a large portion of the inhabitants who are of a different race from the original European occupants of the soil are entirely excluded from all political and from many of the civil rights that are enjoyed by those who are deemed citizens. A slave can neither choose nor be chosen for office, nor in most states can even a free man, unless a white man. A slave can neither be sued nor sued, he cannot hold property, real personal, nor can he in many of the states be a witness in any suit, civil or criminal. So, of course, that is, uh, you know, where he's saying there's all these differences. Now, one thing he did say there, he said, of course, he says in the southern states, this is the case, but even in states where there's no slavery, look at what he said there. Uh, he's saying that even in, in, in these states, a slave can neither choose nor be chosen to office, nor in most of the states even can a free man unless a white man. In, in most of the states. So in most of the states, this isn't just a southern situation. This is an American situation. Now the 1619 Project would be all over this and say, well, there you go. I mean, this is, this is an example of white supremacy. And, of course, um, they're not wrong about that. Uh, the American government was set up on Anglo-American institutions and Europeans dominated the government and they believed at the time that, that those are the only people suitable to be in government. I mean, that's, that's, that's a fact, right? That's a fact. It follows from these facts that absolute equality of condition of political rights or of civil rights does not exist in the United States, though they all exist in a much greater degree in some states than in others and in some of the states, perhaps, to as great a degree as is practicable. So, look at what he said there. Even in the states where you have a tremendous amount of political, civil, and uh, equality of these things, con political condition, political rights, civil rights, it's only what's practicable, right? They haven't gone beyond it because there is a limit to these things. Now, this is where the Straussians say, yeah, I agree with James Fulmer Cooper. There's a limit. So, you have to have a limit. The problem is when you do that, where do you stop? Right? How do you stop with the limit on these things? And who gets to decide that? Because once you open, the, the again, the Pandora's box of equality, that creates a whole different situation. In what are usually called the free states of America, or those in which domestic slavery is abolished, there is to be found as much equality in every respect as comfort, comports with safety, civilization, and the rights of property. This is also true as respects the white population in those states in which domestic slavery does exist. 
that the number of the bond is in a large proportion to that of the free. So he's saying, look, we have this in every state. It's just that in the South, of course, you still have slaves, which limits the amount of equality in those states. As the tendency of the institutions of America is to the right, we learn in these truths the power of facts, every question of politics being a strict, strictly a question of practice. They who fancy if possible to frame the institutions of a country on the pure principles of abstract justice, as these principles exist in theories, know little of human nature or of the restraints that are necessary to society. So think of what he just said here. This is a smack at the left. They who fancy it possible to frame the institutions of a country on the pure principles of abstract justice, as these principles exist in theories, know little of human nature or of the restraints that are necessary to society. So those that run around with the, the little, their minds of mush, saying that we need to have equity, we need to have justice, what and social, there is no definition of that. What does it actually mean? These are people that are dangerous because they're living in a utopian world of ideology. And when you have ideologues, this is a smack at ideology. When you have ideologues, which of course is this idea of equity, you know, equality as an abstract term, when you have that, you create problems because you can't have that. Abuses assail us in a thousand forms, and it is hopeless to aspire to any condition of humanity approaching perfection. The very necessity of a government at all arises from the impossibility of controlling the passions by any other means than that of force. The celebrated proposition contained in the Declaration of Independence is not to be understood literally. The celebrated proposition contained in the Declaration of Independence is not to be understood literally. It's not to be understood literally. But this is exactly what Americans began to run with, even to this day. You see, because if there is a... Pro he just he outlines here the proposition nation. We don't have that. We don't have a proposition nation. That doesn't exist. He says all men are not created equal in a physical or even in a moral sense unless we limit the signification to one of political rights. This much is true, since human institutions are a human invention, in which nature has no connection. Men are not born equals. Physically, since one has a good constitution, another a bad. One is handsome, another ugly. One white, another black. Neither are men born equals morally, one possessing genius or natural aptitude, while his brother is an idiot. As regards all human institutions, men are born equal, no sophistry being able to prove that Nature intended one should inherit power and wealth, another slavery and want. Still, artificial inequalities are the inevitable consequences of artificial ordinance, ordinances, and in founding a new governing principle for a social compact, the American legislators instituted new modes of difference. So, he, they're saying, he's saying, look, we can never, this is what I said yesterday, we can never have a real equality because there's all these things. People recognize that. I've asked classes every single year. Do you really believe in equality? And no one raises their hand because everyone understands that people are unequal. But what he's saying is political equality is really the only thing you can have with rules. Outside of that, then society gets to decide how they want to do things. So your equality essentially comes from your neighbor. I mean, this is this is dangerous. This is where you start pushing at liberty. And of course, he gets into liberty later in this book. 
In fact, it's the next chapter. We could do just a couple of weeks on this particular book. It's, there's a lot here to dive into and understand. And Cooper was an important guy in the 19th century. So it's, maybe we'll do more of this book. I mean, it's just so good. And I think sometimes on this podcast, we need to do more of this kind of stuff. He says, the very existence of government at all infers inequality. The very existence of government at all infers inequality. The citizen who is preferred to office becomes the superior of those who are not, so long as he is the repository of power, and the child inherits the wealth of the parent as a controlling law of society. All the great that the great American proposition, therefore, can mean is to set up new and juster notions of natural rights than those which existed previously by asserting in substance that God has not instituted political inequalities, as was pretended by the advocates of the Justivinium, and that men possessed a full and natural authority to such to form such social institutions as best suited to their necessities. So all he's saying is there's no political inequalities. As the divine right of kings, this is what he's he's saying there. You know, the divine right of kings, uh, the uh, aristocracy, na- uh, you know, artificial aristocracy. There's all we have is political equality. Nothing else. No equality of so, no social equality, no moral equality. We, I mean. That doesn't exist, but we can have political equality set with rules. And when that, if that goes, then of course you have true equality in America. He says this, there are numerous instances in which the social inequality of America may do violence to our notions of abstract justice. But the compromise of interests under which all civilized society must exist renders this unavoidable. So, social inequality may do violence to our notions of abstract justice, meaning ideology. But, you can't get around it because if you don't have it, civilized society ceases to exist. There has to be some level of inequality. You can't just make everything equitable. It's impossible. Great principles seldom escape working injustice in particular things, and this is so much the more in establishing the relations of a community. For in them, many great and frequently conflicting principles enter to maintain the more essential features of which sacrifices of parts become necessary. If we would have civilization and the exertion indispensable to its success, we must have property. If we have property, we must have rights. If we have the rights of property, we must take those consequences of the rights of property which are inseparable from the rights themselves. The equality of rights in America, therefore, after allowing for the striking exception of domestic slavery, is only a greater extension of the principle than than common, while there is no such thing as an equality of condition. All that can be said of the first is that it has been carried as far as prudent discretion will allow it, and of the last, that the inequality is the simple result of civilization, unaided by any of those uh, factitious plans that have been elsewhere devised in order to augment the power of the strong and enfeeble the weak. So, once you have property, you have to have inequality. This is important. right? This is why the left essentially wants to tear down property, because they understand that property, or not necessarily tear it down, they want to take one from one they want to take it from one group and give it to another because that to them would be fair it would be justice 
and they want to do it through the force of government. Well, Cooper would say that is destroying civilization. You can't do that. You're destroying civilization by advocating taking property from one and giving it to another. Equality is nowhere laid down as a governing principle to, of the institutions of the United States. Well, that would be news to Harry Jaffa and the, and the Straussians and neoconservatives. It also would be news to the, to the left. This is what I said. The left and the Straussians, neoconservatives are all on the line with this. That equality is one of the governing principles of the institutions of the United States. That the Declaration is a founding document. Here, James Fenimore Cooper is saying it's not. It's not a founding document at all. Nor any inference that can be fairly deduced from its meaning occurring in the Constitution. As respects the states themselves, the professions of an equality of rights are more clear and slavery accepted. The intention in all their governments is to maintain it as far as practicable, though equality of condition is nowhere mentioned. All political economists know that it is unattainable, if indeed it be desirable. Desirable in practice it can hardly be, since the result would be to force all down to the level of the lowest. I mean, there again... This is Cooper saying equity is ridiculously stupid. But I love this paragraph because he says, look, equality is not part of the founding institutions of the United States. It's not in the Constitution. It's not one of the governing principles of the institutions of the United States. We look at the Declaration, we're saying that just means political rights. It doesn't mean anything else. It doesn't mean that uh, this is something that should be applied to condition or to morality or to civil rights. It, it didn't apply to that. Now, what's interesting, again, the 1619 Project would agree, the 1776 Commission would disagree. They would say that it has been part of this. The 1619 Project would say, well, it, the promise of it was there, but it was never met. The 1776 people would say, well, the promise is there, and it has been met. They would sort of agree with Cooper, sort of, because Cooper is saying, yeah, it's been met to what it can be met. But the 1619 people would say it isn't. So this is where, again, they're, they're, they're cut of the same cloth. Just they, they differ in, and if it's a blue cloth, some of the cloth has been in the sun, right? So it's faded a little bit, and some of it is much more blue. So, uh, you know, they're, they're all in the same sheet, and they're all in that blue, but some have just been faded out a little bit. They don't, it's not as strong as others. So, they're, but they're all in that. They're not, they're not on the other side of it. They're not, uh, you know, an orange, for example, you got blue and a shade of blue. All that government aims at, therefore, is to add no unnecessary and artificial aid to the force of its own unavoidable consequences and to abstain from fortifying and accumulating social inequality as a means of increasing political inequalities. So a good government adds no unnecessary and artificial aid to the force of its own unavoidable consequences. That's what a good government does. And it abstains from fortifying and accumulating social inequality as a means of increasing political inequalities. So it would be much more restrained, right? Good government won't pick a privileged class. It won't pick one over another. It won't. Uh as long as that increases, if it increases political inequalities. And he would say here there are no political inequalities because 
they're a level, right? Certain people can't vote, but it's across the board. That's not a political inequality. That's just saying you don't have the ability to do it, and it doesn't matter who you are, you can't. That's not inequality. That's just society just determining these are things that are conditions for civilization. So there's a lot in here. And again, great book. If you want to understand the 19th century American mind and what they're doing, we can disagree with Cooper on some things, or you can agree with Cooper, but he's really taken a slap at this idea of the Declaration as a founding document, number one, uh, that equality is a founding principle of the United States, number two, he would say it's not. It doesn't matter what Lincoln said. doesn't matter what the Straussians say or the leftists say. It's not. And abstractions are dangerous because what you're looking at is the local. What, was, what does society in these areas think is just and right for that society? That is the only thing you need to think about. All right. So, hope you enjoyed our two-day discussion of James Fenimore Cooper. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. See you then.